You know, there was a woman one time who was uh, going skiing for the first time. I've never been skiing. I've never done it. I don't know how, how you do it. I've, I've read some articles and I've watched some videos and, and things like that. And I kind of had the same fear that she had because she was, wasn't so much afraid of the coming down the hill. She was afraid of the journey up the hill. She was afraid of riding the ski lift. Most importantly, she was afraid of getting off the ski lift because the ski lift doesn't stop. It just slows down. And she was given some instructions. She was told, okay, what you need to do is commit. Commit. Just commit. When you get up there, stand up and push off, and your skis and the snow and the lift will do the rest. Well, she began riding the ski lift. And as she rode with her legs dangling below her and watched as the lift at the top around that hill, she began to get more and more and more nervous. And when she got to the one right in front of her, she saw them do it. She said, I think I can do that. But at the last minute, she panicked and she didn't commit. She put one foot forward and left one part of herself, her anatomy, on the lift. So one leg goes this way with the lift, one leg went that way, and she landed on her face. She landed that way, why? Because she couldn't choose a stop. Because she couldn't commit to either riding the lift back down or getting off the way she was supposed to get off. Straddling two choices is dangerous. That's something Israel never really could understand in the Old Testament. Straddling two choices is dangerous. As we come this week to a new series in 1 Kings based on the life of Elijah called Faith, Fire, and Frustration, we come to this point where Israel has been wavering for quite some time between two choices. When Joshua leads them into the promised land, when he's about to, about to be done, he tells them to choose who you will serve. Choose what you're going to do. Because there are going to be forces around you that are going to call you to, to serve other gods. They're going to want you to do the things that they've always done. And that's what ends up happening in Israel. You have the God who pulled them out of Egypt, who has blessed them in innumerable ways, who's in all this great stuff, and then you have the gods of the people around them. You have the Baals, Baals, however you want to say the name. You have, and, and, and we have to understand that in the language, Baal is not one god. There are many Baals, Baals. Many, many, many. And so this was a polytheistic religion. And so there were many things that happened within this religion and all of these things that are happening. And so Ahab is king. Probably one of the most despicable kings Israel ever had. And he's married to a woman. Now I know a lot of stories start that way. <laughs> he's married to a woman. She's a queen by the name Jezebel. 
Now we know in our society what a Jezebel is, right? Well, that's where it comes from. This woman right here, she's the original Jezebel. She is it. She has taken this stand, and when Ahab intermarried and brought her into the mix, she brought with her the gods of her country. And she decided, well, I'm queen. And because I'm queen, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And so they began to persecute the people of Israel. It got so bad that one of the, the minor prophets hid some of them in a cave. And Elijah was nowhere to be found at that point. It hadn't rained quite a while. And Elijah shows back up on the scene and he comes up to Obadiah and he says, well, you know, um, go tell Ahab I'm here. I want to see you. And Obadiah's like, uh, excuse me? Ahab wants to kill anybody who comes near. Look, he's, he, he has a bounty on your head. Jezebel especially wants you dead. So uh, if I go tell the king that you're here and nobody else has been able to find him, the king's going to kill me. Elijah said, no, just go do it. God's going to protect you. He said, no, you're going to disappear again, Elijah. He said, just go do it. And so he goes and tells Ahab that Elijah is there. And Elijah summons all Israel to meet him at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And in verse 20, we pick up of chapter 18, in the book of Kings. <clears throat> and it says there, So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh, and the God who answers with fire, he is God. All people answered, that sounds good. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it for you first. Then call the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us! But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly! For he is a God. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Maybe he's on the road. Maybe, maybe he's sleeping. You wake him up. And they shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon they kept on raving until they offered the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. 
And he built an altar with the stones in the name of Yahweh. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. And he said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. And he said, a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and you have turned, and you have turned their hearts back. Then Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we thank you for these stories. These awesome, amazing, adventurous stories of Scripture that tell us of the great feats of faith. Father, be with us this morning. Use me as the best of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things in your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said. Amen. How do we receive fire from God? How do we have the kind of faith and power that Elijah has here in this scene? You know, I don't know why we don't make Hollywood movies about this. This, this is exciting stuff. You know, and as we come to it, the first thing we have to see from Elijah is that Elijah would not accept passivity. He wouldn't be passive. He came to Israel and he said, Israel, choose this day what you're going to do. If Yahweh is God, serve Him. If it's Baal, serve Him. And Israel didn't say anything. They stayed silent. They wouldn't take a stand one way or the other. They would not step up and do what they needed to do. Elijah knew that faith has to be active. We can't not choose a side. We live in a society that is crumbling around us. And we are going to be called upon to choose a side at some point. We're going to be called upon to take a stand of faith and say what we're going to do. And here, Elijah is looking at Israel saying, Y'all are not doing what you're called to do. Remember what God has done. Remember all of the great things that happened in the past. They're not too far away in the past. They're just there. We cannot be passive people of faith. We have to be people of action. God didn't call you to sit in a pew. He called you to be his witness. He called you 
to do the things he has asked you to do. God did not call us to a passive faith. You know, Elijah also accepted responsibility. God called him so. We didn't start at the first verse of chapter 18, because it would have taken forever to read that. But it says, after a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, because I will send a rain on the surface of the land. That's a scary thought. Ahab wanted him dead. Ahab had everybody in the world out looking for him. If they had a, an Israel's most wanted list, that's Elijah, number one on top of the list. They want him. They want him dead. And God says, go. And Elijah accepted responsibility. He said, okay, God, I'll go. I'll go and do what you have called me to do. I will go and do that. Elijah lived out his faith. This is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And if you learn a little bit of the Hebrew, it's even a funner story. Elijah says to the prophets, you go first. Prove. You go first. Choose which bull you want. Choose what wood you want. Choose whatever you want and you go first. I'm not tricking you. You do what you want to do. <coughs> and they go. And they dance around. And they call upon the name of Baal and upon the name of Asherah and trying to get them. And then Elijah mocks them. <coughs> Maybe he's thinking it over. Or um, maybe he's going to the bathroom. That's what the Hebrew says. Wandered away. Maybe he's off in the bathroom. Shout out. <laughs> Go back to my story with character. I have to talk Maybe he's in the bathroom and he can't hear you. Maybe he doesn't know us. Just shout. You'll get his attention, I promise. Because he is a God. Right? Just yell. Yell louder. Get as loud as you want to get. Just keep on going. That's what he's doing. That's not a very Christ-like thing to do. But he does it, and it's fun to watch, right? Come on, guys. Maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's off on a road trip. Did you get his answering machine? Why don't you leave a message? Maybe he can phone it in. I mean, my Elijah's just going at it here, and he's giving them the hardest time in the world. And he lets them go from morning through noonday all the way to the time of the evening sacrifice. He doesn't say a word. When's the last time you had church that long? The Israelites all stood there all day long. On the top of that mountain waiting for something to happen. And then Elijah said, okay, my turn. And Elijah didn't touch it. Elijah didn't touch any of it. There's a key there, guys. Elijah didn't touch it. He said, cut up the bull. Chop the wood. Lay it on the altar. Oh, yeah, let's dig a trench that holds four gallons of water around it. Okay. And they're thinking, okay, here it goes. Elijah says, oh, by the way, go get some water and pour on it. 
Are you out of your mind, Elijah? They worked all day long and have gotten nothing. And you say pour water. Okay. They went and got the water and they came back and poured it on it. And in my mind, this is how this goes. Elijah walks up and he goes, A second time! <laughs> and they go, what? And he goes, they go get the water. They pour it all over it. He goes, I'm sure he went back to it again. And he's building his drama here. He's not going to have all day long like the other problems. He has this moment. A third time! Woo! And they go get that water. They pour it. They say, by the time it's finished, it's just dripping with water. It is soggy. Have you ever tried to light wet wood? Water has filled the trench. Water is dripping down the side of the altar. It's there. It's ready. And Elijah simply steps up and says, Lord, hear me now. Hear me now so that they will know that you are God and that you have brought their hearts back to them. Lord, hear my prayer. And all of a sudden, fire falls from heaven. And it doesn't just burn up the altar. It burns up the offering and the wet wood and the stones and the water. And if I remember right, it says, and the dust. Boom! It's all gone. That's Elijah's faith. I'm going to pour water and water and water and water. And then I'm going to call fire from heaven. And God's going to answer because God, you know, God said he's going to do something miraculous here. What God promised Abraham was that he was sending rain, not that he was sending fire. Go, get Ahab, because I'm going to send some rain. And he gets there, and he's ready for this big showdown to happen. And what happens? Israel's just like, yeah. you know, we're living a pretty good life. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rock the boat. Just let me do what I need to do, and we'll be okay. It's okay. Elijah says, well, I'll stand alone. Elijah stands alone when he has it. He's sitting there by himself. By himself. He says, I am the last prophet of God. I am it. Now, Obadiah is just told me he's, he's hitting 50 men or 100 men in two different caves. There are other men out there, but they're still hiding. Elijah said, I'm here. And I'm ready. He said, I came to have a showdown and eat a sandwich, and I'm out of sandwiches. <laughs> he was just there for a showdown. He was just there to make everything go back to the way God wanted it to go back to. He had no other purpose. He wasn't hiding somewhere. He wasn't trying to protect his life. He wasn't trying to protect his interests. He was doing what God had called him to do. And the only way he could do that was by proving that God was God and Baal isn't. Think about what all the other prophets went through. They were cutting themselves. It was a bloody mess. Can you imagine 800 people cutting themselves trying to get their God to answer? Trying to get their God to answer. Didn't even answer. 
You ever, you ever been trying to get a hold of somebody and they didn't answer the phone? I'll choose somebody else besides Carrie. Um, <laughs> there was a time when my mom was married to this guy. They had a motorcycle. And uh, one day I called her on a Saturday night. Saturday night? Friday night. I called her on one night. And she didn't answer. Mama always answered. If she didn't answer that, I could call her on her cell phone or her pager or whatever it was back then. And she would get back with me. Well, I called. And she didn't respond. I waited all of an hour, only 10 minutes. And I called again. And she didn't respond. And I kept doing that. I called her probably 1,562 times. Because I called her all out long until the next day. Then I started calling her in-laws. Have you heard from my mom and him? Does anybody know where she's at? That was the prophets of Baal that day. Right? They're crying out. They're calling. They're calling in every favor they can. They're not just talking to Baal and Asher. They're calling somebody else too. Can you find him up there for me, please? All they're all trying to get an answer. And Elijah says, well, get it ready. And then he just steps up and just says a, a simple prayer. Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God of Israel, and I'm your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and you have turned their hearts back. That's it. That's it. In fire fell. In the fire fell. He was against hundreds of prophets and the queen and the king. And he stood. Most of us will never be asked to stand for our faith on that kind of scale. We just won't. Some of us in here may. One of the reasons why it's so important to me that we pour into our younger generations is for me, they are the ones who may have to go through this. They are the ones who will have to stand. Will they be in Elisha? Or will they be in Obadiah? It's easy to claim to know God when it costs you nothing. It's easy to say that I am God when nothing is on the line. We're spoiled. We're spoiled. Because I can say that I, 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 I know God and I follow God and I may have a few mean words said to me right now, but right now I, I, I still have the freedom to say that. There are countries in this world where if you say that, you go to prison for the rest of your life and you never get out. A time is coming where people are going to have to stand like Elijah did by themselves. A time's coming when your faith is going to have to be strong enough to say, it is more important for me to follow God 
than it is to follow anything else that I have allegiance to. That's hard. That's hard. But people around the world do this all the time. There are people around the world who come to know Jesus and they lose their entire family because they've come to know Jesus. And they have to stand alone. If we want to receive fire from God, we have to have these qualities. We can't accept passivity. If it's okay for you just to say, okay, whatever, you need to really dig in and find where God wants you to be. We're not called to a passive thing. We're not called to be passive and never do things in the kingdom. We're called to always be working toward the kingdom. Always. I love the Great Commission because it says, as you go. As you go. Not when you go, as you go. We are called to be doing things. We cannot have a passive faith. We cannot have a faith that says, well... God when it, when it helps me. We have to accept responsibility. <laughs> when God has called you to do something, say yes. <clears throat> say yes. <laughs> It's easy to find reasons why you can say no. It's easy. I don't have time. I don't have the skills. Why me, Lord? Right? I mean, we could find reasons to say no and say yes. We have to live in our faith. Do we live in such a way that our faith is shown. There was no doubt when Elijah stepped out that he was living in his faith because he went to the one place that he knew was going to probably cost him his life to stand up and do what God had told him to do. And then he went and does this comical scene of making that offering so wet that nobody could have lit that fire and then God took it off. He lived his faith. He did what he needed to do. Do we do that? Do you do that? Do you say, okay, God, whatever it is, whatever you want me to do, I will do it and I will step up and I will try. That's all God ever asks of us is to try. Did you know that? I don't have to succeed if I'm doing what God has called me to do because God will succeed. It's not up to me. It's up to God. Remember we talked the last week, week before, when the book of Acts and Peter and John and the beggar and they say, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene, rise and walk. All they had to do was say the words. God was the one who was going to work the miracle. Peter and Paul, Peter and John did not do that. But God did that. And you have to be willing to stand alone. Maybe this morning... You have been afraid 
take the stand. Maybe somehow the world has gotten in your head. Because the world can be a scary place. And maybe, maybe now you're thinking, well, I don't know how good it's going to do for me to stand right now because the way the world is, they're not going to listen anyway. Trust me. There was no more hostile world to the Word of God than Israel in the time of Ahab. Maybe this morning you're looking for the strength to stand. Find it today. Allow God to, to move in your life. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The office open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never taken a step to know the one who died on the cross so that you can have the power of the Spirit to stand in the face of anything. Now would be a great time. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised right now. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.